0: Katie, I'm Erica, and this, this is, is Book Talk. Talk. Hi, Erica. hi, Katie. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, you go. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast book club where we read one book and talk about it over four episodes. This is our first episode about The Guide by Peter Heller, so we're going to talk about the first 65 pages of the book. And these first
1: 65 pages flew by. Um, In this first section, we are dropped into Kingfisher Lodge, which is a remote lodge where the ultra-wealthy go to trout fish, and we meet Jack. Um, and the woman that he is guiding his first week on the job, Allison Kay. The lodge seems relatively normal to start with. The wait staff is a little bit off, and the neighbors are actually insane. Um, in this first section, a perfect afternoon fishing turns into a warning gunshot being fired. The manager requiring Jack to turn in his guns to the main lodge, which he refuses to do. Um, and a very angry guest that he's guiding. Uh, we end with Jack hearing things in the night and swearing that it is a person or a human out there, and the section ends with him heading out to search for
0: whatever it could be, but something is definitely going on. First of all, wow. The suspense that's already been built in like such a short amount of time.
1: I feel like the second that we got there and Kurt was like, Um, you have to open the gate from the inside and the outside and also predecessor who's the person who's before you I can't remember his name Um, I was like oh this is not good like something bad is happening here and then I also just feel like it's so weird you have these people who are fishing guides who are like really outdoorsy men like Jack and he's has a gun which is not abnormal like it's not this is not a situation when it would be really alarming to have a gun I have no idea what type of gun it is that he has if it's like too large that it is abnormal or something. But like, I don't feel like it's abnormal for him to have a handgun and be like a hunter, especially because you don't know what you could encounter like animal wise or whatever. And for them to be like, you need to turn in all the guns and your truck and you need to like do all of these things because people feel unsafe, but also the neighbors have guns and will shoot you. It just feels like a
0: recipe for disaster. (laughs) Step one. A lot of it feels like a recipe for disaster it reminds me of scary movies where the very first night the family is in the new house and the ghost starts to mess with them. It's like immediately this kind of things start to unravel. And that seems like that's exactly what's happening as well here.
1: Well, nothing. Yeah. And I also feel like I was reading the section so fast in the beginning. There was like clues being dropped that I was like, I'm going to have to go back through and like look through the section again. Once so we find out more of what happens and can connect it back to like the whatever the green satchel thing was, I also was like, What is this? this is this something that you put bullets
0: in? Is that how you knew the guy was going to shoot? I don't know, but I don't think it is. I am very unfamiliar with fishing and hunting. <laughs> I didn't know that you have to run after the fish after you catch well, it. Well, I think that's because they're fly fishing
1: okay and let me tell you how much i know about the difference let me tell let me tell you how much i know about the difference um fishing port like point one is on a boat where i feel like you reel it in but your boat is also like moving i don't know and it can be like a lot of effort and then i feel like i don't understand why they have to run after it either like and i also don't understand why once they catch these fish they just like look at them for 10 minutes (laughs) just like for what It's a trout, not like a giant yellowfin tuna that's pretty. Like, it's a trout.
0: Right. Right. I mean, I don't
1: know what a trout looks like, but I can't imagine that it's that pretty to stare at. (laughs) It does sound nice. I like the part of fishing where you're on a boat and can read a book and somebody else is doing the fishing, and then they tell you when it's ready and you get to reel it in. I've done that a couple times. But that's it. That's what I like about fishing. (laughs) I do think he does write it in a really beautiful way, though, because – And I love the way he talks about her concentration in the fishing. She's obviously, like, pretty agile and good at it. Um, And he's, like, she's – whether she's not a master at it, but she has the ability or the rare gift to, like, get lost in what she's doing. And I was, like, that is – it is a rare gift, and it's a rare thing that can pull you out of, like, you know, your current world and stressors, et cetera. So I think that part's very sweet and makes you want to be at this lodge. Everything about this lodge reminds me of, like, an an ultra-wealthy, like – you're out in the middle of nowhere and it feels very rustic, but it's not because every single detail is being handled by somebody else so that you get to feel like you're living in luxury, but also you're rustic. And so it's kind of, but it's like a really cool background that paired with like what something sinister that's about to be happening is going to be a good comparison, a good, maybe comparison's not the right word. Juxtaposition? Yeah. Juxtaposition.
0: Wow. That's a good word. That's a vocab word. <laughs> We don't know a lot about the world that Jack lives in and that this book is set in. I found it fascinating that we're getting things that are COVID-like with the masks and with kind of quarantining. But we're told that this is something different than COVID or we're in this world where there's a different type of infection going around. I liked the comparison or the difference between the way this virus is kind of in the outside world and the pristine fishing lodge that we're in.
1: Yeah, for sure. When I first read the part where he was like, oh, we were in close quarters, so he reached into my back pocket and grabbed my mask, put it over my ears. I was like, oh, I don't want to read this. <laughs> like, it's so weird to read a to read a story about like, what is probably the near future, but is currently the present where it's like, oh, am I in close quarters? I know these people. Am I walking in? Let me put on a mask. And it's like, it almost feels like that's now the like dystopian future is like still wearing masks and these viruses. But it was, you know, there's some like TV shows now where people are like in COVID where they're wearing their masks and stuff. And I think it's like a little too, if that would have been like a focal point of this, it'd be like a little too close to home. Um, But I think- yeah, like you said it pulled out a little bit. It seems much different. It feels more like Ebola or something than COVID where like you get it and it's like like this one patient is like all the protocols are here so that it doesn't spread and that person obviously knew they were sick. I think I don't know anything about the virus, but it's very interesting that that's happening and I'm curious what that has to do with the guests here. I think it's also um kind of a nod to Currency, but also just like what happens which is that the rich are always able to escape are always able to still enjoy those things
0: are always able to get what they need um and that you can see that here too it reminds me of movies where you see characters doing things like going into a store or being in a club and I have this immediate reaction of like oh where's their mask like the like COVID awareness is real and it's even in revisiting old memories that I have or like looking at pictures of myself where I'm like girl where was your mask you know (laughs) I feel like I people talk about that it never doesn't happen to me to think
1: about that um but I do feel like it's very weird when I see people well I never I don't know see people who are like in shows like Grey's Anatomy and stuff without wearing a mask like if it's specifically like clinical I'm like where are their masks like what are these what is happening Um, but I think in like regular life, when I see it, I'm just like, okay, we'll get back there. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I think people do say that though, when they're watching it and it's like really crowded when it was, um, you know, that glorious two months when COVID like took a breather for a second. Um, and one of my friends went to like a crew game, like a soccer game and she was like walking down the stadium. It's like this big, huge walkway that spins around. She's like, I looked in front of me and there was like a thousand people, and it's, out, it's outdoors, but, like, all of these people walking in the same direction. And she was, like, just, like, panic because it was, like, there are so many people so close to me, even though, like, you know, she's vaccinated and, like, but didn't have a mask. Nobody had a mask. But it was just crazy. I think if I was in a situation crowded like that, I'd be, like, what's happening?
0: But, yeah, it's weird. <sighs> yeah. It's one of the things in books in particular – I don't want to see it because I want to be taken out of my own experience and brought into some like different place. But at the same time, I don't know how like I don't know how you ignore the reality of 2020. How do you make any piece of fiction about this past year or the past two years without a COVID narrative? It's an interesting puzzle that authors are going to have to try and solve. Before we get into kind of like what's going to happen
1: next in the foreshadowing part of this, what did you think of his guest and his kind of connection with Allison
0: and who she is, etc.? I really like their relationship. I think they have that like immediate chemistry that resonates a lot more with me compared to some of the other books we've read. I'm thinking like of the romantic comedy, uh, romantic books such as Emily Henry's books where characters spend a lot of time thinking about how they feel about the other person, unsure how the other person feels about them. is a really drawn-out process. And here, immediately, there's this acknowledgement that I like you, you like me, we're attracted to each other, and yet we can put this to the side for now and enjoy the fishing lesson, I guess. I do think she's going to become an important character for Jack. I think she will you know, go through whatever he's about to go through with him and maybe side with him or be someone that he bounces stuff off of as he's trying to figure out what's going on.
1: Prediction number one, coming in hot. That's something (laughs) they're going to have to band together. I agree, though. I think something's going to happen with the two of them. Um, And I think whatever sinister things are going on, Allison is going to believe Jack. I think she already has shown that she's not easily gullible and she's, She may be, like, living this, you know, this ultra-wealthy lifestyle where she doesn't know all the things that are having to happen in the background to allow her to live the life she wants. But when things go wrong, when she hears that warning shot, she's like, how could you let this happen? Like, what is going on? Um, Yeah, which that whole situation is also so interesting. So it's just, like, a grumpy man up there. And he's just shooting people to come on his property, which isn't that unusual except for the fact that, I mean, he's, A, shooting at humans. Who come on the property, but I don't know what the relationship is of the lodge with him to where they have no, no
0: like communication to resolve any of these. I think pretty much everything Kurt has said up to this point is a lie. He's clearly hiding so much from Jack. I don't believe that there's an old man. I don't believe the purpose of the fishing lodge. I don't believe you know, the story about his replacement or who was here before him. I just don't believe anything Kurt says at all. Okay. You want to hear my prediction?
1: Of course. I think, well, I think so too. I think everything Kurt's saying is like definitely bullshitting. I feel like Kurt is running up there and is the guy shooting at them.
0: I'm with you that Kurt is up to no good. My initial gut instinct or association with this book is that the wealthy people who are coming here are coming to, like, hunt people. Hmm. Oh, there's, like, a movie about that or something. Yeah. This exists, or it's, like, a trope in some kind of famous movie or or it's this this theme. Uh, That's what I kind of thought about maybe that other side of the ranch is, like, that's where you go to hunt people. But hunting and fishing seem really different, so maybe it's not as kind of one-to-one is what i'm thinking
1: see i feel like the people are going somewhere here and he has all these ultra wealthy people who i mean he's upset that allison brought her bodyguard person and then he has these guides who are like pretty new and inexperienced that he brings in really tells them nothing they're working under the table you know and i feel like kurt is killing people or somebody is killing people and then they're like hiding the evidence up at this other property where they say you can't come to um but I don't know what the motivation would be to kill these ultra rich people. Like, what are you getting out of that? If you know, like how does this connect to what's his, what is his motivation? But I think that Kurt is like preventing them from going up past the post or past the don't get shot sign or whatever, because he's up there and there's something up there. He doesn't want them to find, which I think also ties back to when Jack and Allison are out chasing that fish and he goes to his restroom and he's like, get the warning shot happens and he sees that boot and the little green strap and then he goes back later and it's not there. But I mean, whoever was watching them was watching enough to shoot him right at that moment when he was realizing
0: something. Right. And we know that there are cameras, so they could easily have been being watched or he was being watched at the time. I don't know You know, we don't know that there's nothing there. It could be, you know, we're left on this cliffhanger where he's starting to dig with his hands. So maybe he will find the body that's been, maybe it's farther underneath the soil than where he was. Or maybe it has been moved. Uh, We don't know yet. We'll find out in the next chapter. I do think you're spot on, though, with Kurt wanting to keep them away from that section of their land. But we don't know why yet. Also, again,
1: back to my not knowing a lot about fishing, but... Where Jack comes from, he's like, we share water. Like, our ranch is between two sets of public water. And I feel like it just doesn't seem realistic to me that people who own private property near water, like, near a lodge or a ranch or something, I don't know, wouldn't have a good relationship where they would not let people fish kind of between. Like, it's nature, and yes, you, this is your property, but it's also, like, there's obviously plenty of fish. They're catching them all the time. <laughs> so, like, why –
0: why the extreme you can't cross over this border um my other prediction is that we have another Chekhov's gun situation in this book because they take away Jack's first gun but we know he has a second gun so I think that's going to reappear and they
1: did mention that you're right this is gonna be the thing where, like they may take the first gun Because Kurt won't know he has a second and it's much smaller. I do think that this other one is like a handgun. And so he will be able to like hide that. I also think now that he's made the connection with the maid, there's going to be something that like even if she were to see the second gun, I don't think she's going to say anything at this point. I think the other one being out, probably she was like, but I don't think she's going to look too hard or he might not let her back in the cabin. He was like, just put your stuff out front and keep it in there.
0: She does say, though, that she would get in trouble if she didn't report it. So especially because it's out in the open, she may have felt that she had right. to say something. Especially because it was just out. Right.
1: But I feel like she's not going to go searching too hard through his stuff. But also, what was her when she was leaving? She was like 3379 or something. I can't, I can't remember exactly what the number
0: 9939.
1: Nine, nine. <laughs> My bad. Are I try you to sure it's it 9939. <laughs>
0: I like. I'm almost positive that's say,
1: it. I feel like it was three three seven nine. Three three nine three.
0: <laughs> Oops.
1: <laughs> it's only Look, funny because I had neither the right of, pieces in the wrong <laughs> order. Of us were
0: right. <laughs>
1: You're like, yep, remembered it just for this case. I'm like, same, and they're both wrong. <laughs> three three nine three. Three three
0: nine
1: three. Okay, so now I'm just like three three nine three. Okay, what do you think that that could be? I have a guess.
0: My guess is that it will either let Jack out of something, like out of the lodge or out of some confined space, or it's the key to get into something, maybe like a bunker or a room where they are torturing people or holding people.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be something like a shack or a shed he needs to get into or or he's going to need to get off of the property. I just still can't figure out why, like the why behind these people would want to die want to kill people so I guess we'll find out I mean there is three quarters of the book left
0: (laughs) I can't wait to find out there's one section that we're reading or one week where we're reading a longer portion of the book because one of the chapters is really long and I didn't want to split like end in the middle of a chapter I think it's the next section so hopefully we find out a lot more in next week Talk. talk talk. Ooh, I just remembered I finished a book. Okay, wow. But well, what did you finish? I finished *Pyrenees*. Oh yeah.
1: This is because we had a talk talk, but we weren't on talk talk. So perfect. How was it?
0: Right, we had an unofficial talk talk, IRL talk talk. Um, I loved this book. I understand my friend Rebecca's review of the book was that she couldn't wait to read it again. I understand that after finishing it, partway through the book, without spoiling it, there's a really satisfying reveal or a turn that has been building throughout the first section of the book. That is so enjoyable when it happens, but I know there were a bunch of clues that that was coming that I missed. So I understand why this is a book that I would reread because I want to dig deeper into that Kind of thread that the author is weaving. The first couple chapters, I was so confused about the world that is being built. Like, what is going on? <laughs> but it's such an interesting, different book. I really loved it. I think there's also a lot that I didn't quite understand because I'm not super into art history I think there was a little bit of like mythology um maybe even some philosophy where if that's what you're really into I think there's many many layers to this book into the symbolism in this book that would make it really enjoyable but for me not knowing any of that and also not reading a ton of fantasy books I still really really liked it and would recommend it
1: I love that is it like a Greek mythology book? It's probably a dumb question.
0: No, but for some reason I also thought that before
1: okay. I read it. Interesting. It's otherworldly. Well, when is it? It's other. It's otherworld. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I also read a. Um, well, I read a Greek mythology type book. I read Song of Achilles, and I loved it. And I did not think that I would love it, um, which is very funny. My friend who gave it to me was like, I don't, I was really worried you would hate it. I said, me too. At least we agreed on that. And the first like 10 pages, I was like, oh, I don't know. These names are like hard to keep track of. And am I going to be able to get into this like kings and gods thing? Uh, but it turns out I am. It was so good. The love story was so good. And just everything about the book was amazing. There was like adventure. There's death. There's love. There's pride and create. it's so good. War. Oh. Okay, next I, you have to read so
0: Circe and then we can talk about both books. Yeah,
1: I did. Yes, yeah, somebody was like, if you like Song of Achilles, you would love Circe. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm convinced because this book was so good. I like want to tell everybody to read it. So I loved it. Um, and I'm also reading Outlawed again because you loved it. Because um, I had read the first 20 pages to recap and I did not super get into it. And I had a long stack of books, so I just picked up something else. Um, And then Erica loved it. and So now I'm redoing it. But after the first 20 pages, I'm like, oh, this is getting much better, much quicker.
0: So that's exciting. I'm now reading like five different books. I don't know why I just keep like picking up new books, but I'm reading Michael Pollan's new book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. I am obsessed with Michael Pollan. He's such an amazing journalist who's still telling a story. So This Is Your Mind on Plants is three sections of the book. One section is about poppy flowers and opium. The second section is about caffeine. And the third section is about mescaline. So I've read the first two sections so far. He takes such an interesting approach of talking about plants and their interactions or relationship with people and what they do with us. And But it's told For a reason. He's telling this as a lesson, almost like an anthropological or like historical lesson and a commentary on what's going on in the social climate and the political climate at the time. So it's really super fascinating. The poppy section is all about like the war on drugs and how there's these arbitrary rules that make no sense about growing poppy seeds. But if you know how to turn a poppy, flour into opium, just having that knowledge makes it a federal crime when for other people it's completely legal to like grow poppies. It's fascinating. I love this book. He also in that section talks about how, you know, he wrote this piece about growing poppies back during the height of the drug war. But what he missed at the time was the uh, you know, production of opium by pharmaceutical companies. And that was the real story. So it's so many layers to each of the chapters. I can't wait to get to the mescaline chapter.
1: Ooh, okay. I'm going to read this next. So if you could have it done by the time I get there, it would be great. I'll do my best. <laughs>
0: talk is made by me erica bailey and katie cheney with production support from dan white our theme music is by dan white we'll see you next week